Hey, we're kicking off a new series called Knowing God. We're going to take the next few months looking at God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And there's this kind of heart of the, of the series going, hey, what if there are things about God that you that you didn't know that were limiting the way you engaged him and interacted with him. And so we're gonna start the first five weeks looking at the Father, and then we'll look at se- take seven weeks and looking at the seven I am's of Jesus in the book of John, and then we'll finish five weeks in the Spirit. But excited to look and see him more clearly. And today we start looking at the Father, seeing him as creator. Uh, and my hope is that we walk away like the words of David in Psalm 8. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, uh, the moon and the stars, what you have set in place, What is man that you're mindful of him? Um, And so the idea here, the main idea for the morning is that what God creates communicates who he is. What God creates communicates who he is. So I was in Houston this last week and uh, I was gonna Uber to my hotel. It was like $65. And I'm like, that's so expensive. So I looked on Expedia and rental cars and there was a, a mystery car deal uh, for $90. And I thought and there was no picture attached to it. It didn't say like, you know, you get a Hyundai Sonata or whatever. It's like, just, it's just a mystery car. And I'm like, this could be sketchy. I like adventures and a good story. So let's go for it. The next option was $360. So I was like, no. So let's go for the $90 deal. I'll already, just between the trip to the airport and back or hotel and back, um, I'm already gonna save money. So I did it. I get there. We walk in. There's a Tesla in front of it. And, um, and I'm just, I kind of jokingly to the guy, I was like, can I have that Tesla? You know, the mystery car. He's like, sure. I'm like, are you serious? You know, I tried to act cool. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get the Tesla, you know? I really paid for it, you know? And so we go through. And so he's like, you good with Tesla? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've like never driven one before. So I'm like, yeah, I think I'm 30 years old. Like, I, yeah, of course I know Tesla, you know? So I walk out there. It takes me two minutes to get in the car because I don't know how the doors work, okay? So I'm like, uh, and people are watching. I literally can see inside there watching me do this, okay? I get in the car. I sit there and I'm going, okay, I'm looking around and they give you, it's literally like a credit card is the Tesla key card. So it's like you could fit in your wallet and I'm like, what do I, is there a thing I slide it into? Like there's no ignition, there's no push start. And so I'm there for 15 minutes sitting and people have gotten their, you know, their Toyota Camrys and they've left after me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so, and it's electric. So like I might've started it to be honest, but I didn't know it was started because it's electric. So I'm like, do I just kind of try and crank it in gear? Like, I don't know where is the gear shifter. And I ended up starting it. It's good. We're going. And uh, I'm like, this thing is amazing. And uh, it was so intuitive. It was, it was mind blowing. It's got cameras all over it. So when you're driving, if you put the blinker on right, it shows you on the big screen, everything to your right, everything behind you. And I'm like, wow. But then again, you're like, I'm, I'm going to look, I'm going to look back because I'm still nervous. This is like a habit, you know, but, and there was no like buttons and stuff. It was just so intuitive, so creative, it was fast, it was amazing. I was just blown away by Tesla. And you kind of ask the question, okay, well, what does Tesla tell you about Elon Musk? right? Like the co-founder of it. It's like, well, you look at this, you know, what does this creation tell you about that creator? Well, he's ingenuitive and he's inventive and he pushes boundaries and he doesn't settle for the status quo. And he's, you know, and he likes electricity and all those things you can kind of deduce backwards and go, okay, what's this thing? And what does it tell me about the creator? And the same idea is true for God. And so in Genesis 1 and 2, as we look at creator, literally that what we're going to do is just look at, we're going to read almost every verse in the first two chapters and just look at his creation, these 10 things he creates and goes, what does this tell us about God? What does his creation communicate about the creator? Um, and, uh, and so I'm excited. So hopefully we'll walk away with a clear view of who God is. And so this is a foundational passage as we communicate to this. Um, it's not just this idea generally philosophical 
philosophically that the creation tells about the creator. In Romans 1, verses 19 and 20, this is what it says uh, about what creation tells about God. It says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made. So they're without excuse. He goes, hey, the rest of the world, nobody has a reason to not believe in God because he's exposed himself through creation and we've decided to reject it, right? And so there's this idea that creation is communicating about the creator. So uh, that's what we're going to. What God creates communicates who he is. Look at those 10 things and uh, see what they say about him. So first, you guys got your Bibles, Genesis 1, first page of your Bible after like the deaths and births and whatever it is there uh, in the preface. But first page of your Bible, Genesis 1, Uh, read one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now jump to six through 10. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So the first thing he creates is the heavens and the earth, right? Heavens and the earth. Now, by the way, like type A friends in the room, they're like, I need to have notes. I need these 10 things. I'm going to say the 10 things pretty clear, but some of them have, I have attributes for each of them that I think it's telling us about God, but they won't always be clear. So just so you know, that side of your note list, if you're taking notes, might not always be, but I'll give some options for you to write down. So anyways, heavens and the earth. Now, when he says heavens, he's talking about the sky. He's not talking about the dwelling place for God and his angels and those redeemed by Jesus. So heavens in this language, in this scenario, is talking about the sky. And he talks about water a lot in this, right? The waters are separated from this expanse and this expanse, the whole thing. And the idea here is that the sky is God's almost protective provisional space in between all the waters of heaven, or you could say that way. So I've got a farmer friend who texts me and I'll go, hey man, how can I pray for you? He lives a couple hours away. And uh, he's like, pray for rain. I'm like, what about your marriage? Pray for rain. You know, like if it rains, my marriage is good. You know, I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, but he's like, oh, pray Praise God, he's so good. I got a 10th of an inch of rain. I'm like, I didn't even know you could measure that. Like, I, you know, like, is that just turn the faucet on, turn it off? You know, like, what is that? But so you see kind of the sky and God choosing to sovereignly give rain is an expression of his gift of opening the skies to water the earth. But then also you see the skies is protective. So it's provisional, it's also protective in the sense that what happens in the flood with Noah, right? He, God essentially deteriorates the sky in the expanse and lets it all rain down completely. It doesn't hold back any water and the whole earth is drowned. Everyone dies besides Noah and his family and God cleanses the earth of sin. So you look at that space and you go, the sky is kind of this protective thing uh, from what could happen. It's a provisional thing as he provides rain to water the earth. Um, and also just talking about the sky, how can we not talk about the sunset, Right? Like in the sun rise, and it's okay, guys, to admit that you like it too. You know, it's like not just the girl thing. Like it's amazing to see God's beauty and like this art artistry that he creates every day, twice a day in the sunrise and in the sunset. It's amazing. So heaven's the earth, first thing he creates. Second thing he creates is day and night. So look at verse three through five. Uh, And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And uh, God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called light, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So he creates day and night. 
Now, every time before I go to bed, I walk downstairs and uh, I just walk into the kids' rooms, Gracie and Haddon, and I just look at them. It sounds kind of weird, but I'm like, I just love them like crazy, you know? And I'll just, uh, maybe other parents do this, maybe I'm the only one, but I'll just look at them and I'm like, wow. And sometimes it's quick and I'm just making sure, like, is she breathing? Okay, good. You know, and sometimes it's like, I'll just pray, God, would you just convince Gracie that you love her like crazy? Not because she's done anything, but, you know, convince her of her beauty and you, not exterior, just because you've made her that way, you know? Uh, sometimes I'll go in, I'll kiss Haddon on his forehead. Kristen's like, don't do that. If he wakes up, you're done, you know? Um, but, but I just do that. And you think about it, and it's like every night, like they're sleeping and I'm, a, I'm awake in, for a season at least and I'm looking and they're so vulnerable, right? They're not doing anything. They're not protecting themselves. They're just, they're just sleeping. And, and it's like, that's kind of what night and day does for us in this sense with God where it's like, we're limited. We're, we're, we need rest. We need to sleep. And there's moments where we just have to literally shut down, stop protecting ourselves. And we know God is this good father kind of watching over us, right? In Psalm 121, it says like, God doesn't ever sleep. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, if any of you struggle with sleep, I do. I feel like my mind's just like wired, you know? And my wife, I thought we we're gonna have a bunch of pillow talk. That's what I signed up for in marriage. And like the moment her head hits the pillow, she's done. It's like, hey, sweetheart, how was your day? Okay, well, uh, good night, love you, you know. Yeah, okay, I guess we're going to bed, you know. And, uh, and so, um, but, but, but it's, just, it's just like this idea, like maybe some of you guys might struggle with sleep and maybe it's because you're stressed, but it's like, man, you can sleep well. Like your God doesn't slumber and he created night and day for the whole earth to rest as he's continuing to work and protect and provide. So night and day. Second, or third thing is he creates uh, the universe or the stars of the cosmos. So uh, Genesis 1, uh, we'll skip uh, these, I'll come back to them, but verse 14 is where we'll start. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day and the night. And let them be uh, for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, the moon, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So it creates the, uh, the cosmos, the, the universe, the, the stars, right? And, and, and kind of planets and all that, right? Uh, the James Webb Space Telescope, uh, they put out some pictures recently that were bizarre, but it's the most powerful telescope in the world. It was specifically made to explore the most far off and distant galaxies in the universe. Now, Earth is in the Milky Way galaxy. That's the galaxy we're in. Now, some of you guys are like, oh, he's, I can't believe he didn't know this. I thought that in our galaxy, there were nine planets, right? If you include Pluto, which I don't know if they do anymore. But I thought like nine planets, that's our galaxy. No, 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 that's just our solar system. Our galaxy, guess how many planets we have in the Milky Way galaxy? A hundred billion planets with a B. Okay, our little solar system, you know, our little nine that we know, okay, great. We've never been there, you know, to some of it, like that's, that's it. That our whole universe, that what we're in, the mil- or, sorry, the galaxy, Milky Way, that we're in is 100 billion. Now, the James Webb Telescope, what they detected was that we'd already known about 11 other galaxies that existed. So just so you know, just even if that were true before James Webb, Milky Way, 11 more. 100 billion planets, and that's generally small, and all these other ones. The James Webb dis- uh, Telescope discovered that there were at least 44 more galaxies out there. So you think of all the expanse, you're going, what? And you're like, like, wow, you know? Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I don't know how every astronomer isn't a follower of Jesus. Like, how do you look at all that and just assume that somehow it happened on accident? 
Like, how do you see the, not see the beauty and the complexity? You go, wow, I think someone just put those there. You know, like, it's, it's wild. And so think about all the thousands of years we've existed, lived, looked at the stars, and never known about those galaxies. All the unchartered beauty out there that God has created that we've never even been able to experience. Why? Because he's just big. He's expansive. He's, he's bigger than we can even fathom, and he's so beautiful and creative as he expands out. Um, so he creates the universe. Four, um, he creates diverse species of animals. So look at verse 20 through 25. Now God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good except for the cat. So, um, so that's the, that's it. That's there. Uh, just kidding, cat lovers. But, you know, mini golden doodles, what's up? So anyways, uh, most of the time, uh, as a dad, mo- my kids are begging to watch Frozen 2, Sing 2, Encanto, and probably Encanto 2 coming out, I don't know, uh, Bluey for the 6,786 times. It's like, it's crazy, right? But sometimes they really like the Discovery Channel. So I'm like, okay, that's great. So we click it on, I cuddle up with them, right? We're going. And, uh, and listen, when we go through the whole series, the next few months on Knowing God, Again, the, the kind of impetus and the hope is that we would know him and we would see him. And so, like, we just got done studying James, right, like recently. And James is so practical, one of the most practical books of the whole Bible. Knowing God is going to feel, it's going to be theological, it's going to be challenging intellectually, but there probably won't always be a lot of application, right, in these, because you're just trying to know. And some of it is just the like application to just see God, you know, and his beauty. But if I could say there's any application to this sermon, it's to intentionally look at creation as a picture of who the creator is. Like just as you watch a show or you hang out with your friends or you enjoy something good to eat or drink or you travel somewhere or you meet someone, just to see God communicating through his creation. I think if there's any application, it would be that. Um, so I'm watching the Discovery Channel, right? And I'm through, through this lens of trying to see God in his creation. And it's bizarre, all the creatures out there in the world. I'm like going, wow, like, this is wild. Like right now, there are frogs in the Amazon rainforest that we've never discovered. And we might not ever, that are painted by the hand of God, unique and distinct. There are fish in the deepest parts of the ocean that we'll, we've never discovered yet. And we may not ever. And yet God has designed them, intentionally put them there. And it's just, just because that's who he is. And he's, and he's done that. So you look at this and you go, God's thoughtfulness and his creativity to create all these species we don't even know about. And that they're out there and God has, um, and God is using them and, and, um, and, and, it's, just, it's beautiful. So you see diverse species of animals. Uh, the next one is really the pinnacle of his creation, and it's humanity. So look at verse 26 and 27. And so then God says, after all this stuff, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So uh, there's this uh, unique phrase that's distinct from everything else that's created. And it says that we uniquely are created in the image of God. Nothing else in creation can claim that, right? 
Um, again, love my kids. Got three of them, Gracie, had and Eden. And I can't really tell which one looks like me most, you know, but Eden, she's my little brown-eyed girl, okay? And so it's like she's got like my dimples and I think she's got my eyebrows, which she's gonna have to figure out later on in life, you know, like kind of do the thing. But, uh, but anyway, so that's Eden. And, and I love it. One of my favorite things about being a part of this church is watching, you know, couples or families have a new kid and they bring the kid to the church, you know, to church the first Sunday. And it's like, oh my gosh, like this is, am- they look just like the dad. And can we just be honest? Like, it feels like so many kids look like their dads. It's like, is that fair? Like, not at all. Like the moms did all the work, you know? But so many times the mom's like, yeah, I know. She's got his eyes or his face or, you know, whatever. But it's so cool to see the, the features of moms and dads in these kids, right? Um, but, but even more flattering than our kids um, looking like us or, 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 emotion, or um, physically being like us is when they're uh, like emotionally like us, right? Um, so not just looking like us, but being like us. And uh, Gracie uh, is like just so, she just loves ideation. She's always thinking about things. She's always creating ideas or inventions or games for us to play. And she's like, dad, we should do this and we should do this. And I'm like, Grace, like, and then I get frustrated. I'm like, oh gosh, she got that for me. Like this is like, and I'm like, that might be how people feel around me. That's like, awesome. Let's just like, we don't always have to be doing something, you know, like doesn't have to need a new idea. And Haddon, he like just thinks everyone's his best friend. You know, he's like, I'm like, you just met them. And they're like, yeah, they're my best friend. And I'm like, that's how I am. You know, like Kristen's got her four best friends and those are her people. And I'm like, did we just become best friends? Like we, you know, like I think so, you know, but he's just such a lover and he loves connecting. And it's so cool to watch like our kids have our attributes, right? It's like, it's, it's so sweet to see that. And it's this, it's like, this is what it means when it says that we are made in the image of God. Like take that in. That like you have unique aspects and attributes of the grand creator of the universe. You do. And, and we all possess kind of different, um, different aspects of that. And so um, every person who's ever lived has been made in the image of God. Every person uh, has the imago Dei, the image of God stamped on them, his likeness, his fingerprints, some senses that resemble who he is. And so let me say two things about that. Number one, this is why I love observing other cultures and why you should too. There's only so much that you can learn about God from people who look like you and talk like you and vote like you and act like you and talk like you, right? Um, And there's something beautiful about meeting um, people from Indonesia and just seeing, tell me about your culture and how you uniquely reflect God and and, and people from Thailand or South Africa or Iraq and going, wow, or Sudan. And it's like, it's amazing to see that and going, I wanna get out of my own self and I really wanna be exposed to who God is and he's uniquely put his image on all types of people. So it's fun to see his, that kind of express um, and see his unique aspect. Um, the second thing I, we gotta say is that this means that every person, every person has intrinsic value. Um, created fearfully and wonderfully and uniquely by God. We don't get to pick who has value. God has given value in creation to every single person. That means that the person who disagrees politically with you, they're made in the image of God. The unborn baby is made in the image of God. And so are the workers of Planned Parenthood. The refugee is made in the image of God, and so are the people who are displacing them from their homeland. Um, American soldiers are made in the image of God, and so are members of the Taliban. Transgendered people are made in the image of God, and so are the homeless people underneath the bridge. Um, there isn't a person in history that you can think of that wasn't made in the image of God, stamped with his likeness on them. And so you wanna know how to anger God? 
try and strip value from his creation. Try and act like people are less than. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't call sin, sin. That doesn't mean that we agree with everybody. But what it does mean is that spirit-filled believers are seeing people through the differences, through the disagreements, through the unique exteriors, and going, you are made in the image of God. And you're valuable because of that. And so we should, as believers, knowing this, uh, honor the dignity that God's already given to people, right? So humanity is made in the image of God. But also look at how we're made in the image of God and the uniqueness of it. Genesis 2, uh, verse 7. Genesis 2, verse 7. It says, And then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And so God creates the rest of the world by speaking, and then it just comes into existence, right? But it's almost like this picture where he's sitting on his throne, and he's kind of going, he's doing this, and he's he's joyfully just creating. He's dropping the whale in the ocean, and he's dropping the monkey in the tree, and the whole thing. And it's almost like then he gets creating man, and it seems like he steps off of his throne. He gets his hands dirty. He grabs, and he forms this man out of the dirt, and he breathes into his nostrils. Again, the only, crea- only creation, only aspect of creation that he does this with, and he breathes in the li- life into this man, Adam. Um, and so you get to see that we're not only made in the image of God, but we're made with the breath of God, like his life into us. It's, it's a really intimate picture, isn't it? To have that. It's, and so like, make no mistake, like God isn't some distant creator. Like we are made for relationship. He's intimate. Um, and that the way he formed us, he created us, he breathed into us, we're meant to be known by him and close to him. We're the crown jewel of his creation. And so he's not distant, leaving us alone. He's near. He breathes into uh, create Adam, and he creates Eve out of Adam's rib. It's all intimate and interwoven and personal. The sixth thing he creates are enjoyable food and drinks. Um, and so uh, look at uh, Genesis 1, 11 through 13, and then we'll look over at uh, 28 too. Uh, Genesis 1, 11. Uh, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind on earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed and each according to his own kind. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Now Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves and breathes on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird in the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. So he creates uh, enjoyable food and drinks. Now this may be my favorite creation other than marriage, obviously. Chris, like, I'm good, right? Uh, uh, but, uh, but how many of you guys would say, like, I'm a foodie. Like, I love food. Anybody here? Yeah. Um, I'm crazy about it, too, okay? Um, and uh, a medium rare ribeye, you know, seasoned simply, salt, pepper, garlic, seared to perfection, right? Uh, Brussels sprouts from the venue, if you've ever had them, they're life-changing. Uh, the crunchy blue from Blue Sushi, right? Those are kind of bougie, but, like, Spicy chicken sandwich from Popeye's, right? Like that hits different. Uh, the hash brown burrito from De Leon's, you know, the Cobb salad from Chick-fil-A. Like there's some, you know, stuff out there. My wife's famous enchiladas. Like, can we just talk about bacon for a second? Like, thank you God for the new covenant. You know, like all that stuff, like come on, right? And, and God didn't just uh, create uh, good food for us, but also good drinks, 
right? I'm a huge fan of tea. Like I love iced tea, sweet tea, any type of that. I love Coke in a glass bottle. Like it just hits different, you know? Uh, like that it actually comes in like the, 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 the thing. Or maybe you're like a big fan of wine and you just love it or, or an old fashioned or whatever it is. But like God uh, creates foods and plants and fruits and animals and all this to be enjoyed. And so think about this. I know it doesn't say this necessarily in the text, but the implication is that he creates all these things for us to eat and to enjoy, right? Um, but simultaneously, he's creating our taste buds and he's creating our, our smelling, our sensory functions of our body to be able to smell this, you know, fresh pie and go, oh, that smells amazing, you know, or, or taste this, uh, this steak or whatever it is. Like he creates us in such a way, like, listen, like if God were just this robotic, distant, like, you know, not for pleasure God, like he would just create us to have food for sustenance. You just need to eat and so you can stay alive and you can keep going. But he creates beautiful, unique foods. Isn't that awesome to be like, thank you, God. Like, I love that you've made me in such a way that I can experience this and enjoy this. Um, so um, you, you, you look at that and you go, and, you, and as you're eating food, again, you're looking at it going, God, thank you for making this. Like, this is great. Like, you must love like pleasure and joy and, and eating and, and drinking together. Uh, the, the seventh thing he creates is the Sabbath or, or rest on the seventh day. So Genesis 2, verse 3. Um, so Genesis 2, 3, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, again, he doesn't specifically institute the Sabbath here. Genesis, or I'm sorry, Exodus, when God gives the 10 commandments, uh, reflects on this as the institution of this Sabbath reality where God's built this in that we would rest on the seventh day. He separates it as holy for all of us. Um, and so, by the way, the seventh creation is the Sabbath, which is unique. And the seventh day and all this, as you're tracking through it, it's pretty amazing. But it's a day when God rests from creation. Why does he rest? Well, it's not because he's tired, because he's God. God doesn't get tired. He rests, uh, I think, for two reasons. Uh, one is to take in all that he's created, right? We're like so busy in life where it feels like we like get something done, we move on, and we never really reflect back and go, God, what'd you do? And just thank you for doing that. We just like finish something and go right to the next project. And God just stops and goes, I just wanna take in he keeps saying this phrase, and it was good, and it was good, and it was very good. And it's God on the seventh day looking back going, wow, like it really was good. Like I love what I've created. The second reason is, is to give this as a rhythm of rest uh, to us as a gift. Um, we'll talk about God creating work next, right? But I want you to know uh, that uh, he creates Sabbath and rest before he creates work. Okay, so rest isn't a reward for working it's an unearned gift before we ever work. This rest is God going, hey, you don't have to do anything to be loved by me. You just, just, I'm to institute this and you can rest. You can take a break in this. And so um, before he ever calls Adam to work, he uh, invites him to rest as well on the seventh day of creation. And so, um, uh, but it's just God community. You're not robots that I'm trying to churn out work from, like you're people that I love and I wanna be healthy and want to, um, to be with. Uh, the eighth thing he creates is, is work, though, like we said. So Genesis 2, verse 5. Um, Genesis 2, 5, or sorry, not 2, 5, 2, 15. Um, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Uh, so one of the biggest questions people ask me uh, is what's God's purpose for my life, right? Continually, that's what they're asking me and, and checking on. And um, both young people and old, uh, um, and young people are trying to figure out what they want to do and will it be meaningful? And older people are looking back on their lives going, was it meaningful? This is what I've done. Um, but God creates work, meaningful labor, uh, giving purpose and instruction. Um, so we're not just waiting around, but we're participants in creation. Now, some of you, it may be easy to look at what I do and go, oh, well, that's spiritual, 
That's, that's what God want, you know, wants or whatever. But notice the first job that God gives isn't to preach a sermon. It's not to lead a Bible study. It's not to host a city group. It's not to, you know, um, uh, have some big theological thing. It's just to, to work a garden, to raise up toma- some tomatoes. He's going, hey, Adam, would, would you just make some tomatoes, some lettuce, take Eve on a nice date night tomorrow? You know, like whatever it is, like just here's your job. And I just think that so many people have lost, like, have over-spiritualized in some sense what, how the, the gift of just like faithful labor at what you're doing, being good at what you're doing, like and how honoring that is to God, even if it doesn't have anything Christian about it, you know? Like just going, I, I, I'm a financial advisor. And, and yes, I have a grander mission to help people steward their money well for the kingdom and all that, but also I'm just a great financial advisor and I think that's honoring to God. Or I'm a teacher and yes, I wanna build relationships with those kids and the parents and reflect Jesus and look for opportunities, but I'm also just gonna be a great teacher and that's glorifying to God. Or I'm a, I'm a landscaper and I just work and I'm doing this stuff and I'm just setting this, and it's just to know that's glorifying to God. Like, like, so I think it will change the way you go to work if you get this. Like looking at it going, this is spiritual to do, to do what this is. Like this is honoring to God. So treat your work like Adam treated his work, like as an assignment from God, placing you in the garden. That's the season. That's what I want you to do right now. Um, so he's, he's purposeful in, in this. Uh, the ninth uh, thing he creates is rules, um, which for a rebel like me, that's not always great, but I like, uh, and I'll tell you why I like this, 16 and 17. And God, uh, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge uh, of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you, you eat it, you shall surely die. So uh, I've realized, again, like I'm not naturally prone to rules, got a broken moral compass, but uh, I love, as I've gotten older, I've loved rules. I've also enforced them now that I'm a dad. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Um, but, I, you know, it's one of the most loving things you can do is have rules and have, have rules for people that you love. Um, and so for the kids, hey, don't play by the street. You get hit by a car. Don't stand up on chairs. You could fall over. Don't slam the door. You can get your siblings' fingers in there. Don't just run off and target like you get lost, right? Like rules are really loving. And I think people look at this passage and go, oh, how dare God tell them they can't eat of this tree? It's like, did you also notice he says you can eat of every other tree? As if like, there's, there's one you can't, but there's probably thousands that you can. And it's like, we get so, we think that like rules are so restrictive of God and they're actually so freeing. God's like, just don't even think about that. Like, I, I promise you, it's not good. Don't do that. Trust me. And here's the freedom I'm giving you and all the lanes and the guardrails I put around you and just enjoy all this freedom. So it's not like this is like tight and narrow and he's like, ah, oh, just do this. It's like, it's actually wide. And yes, there's something God's saying don't do, but it's also wide in the invitation to enjoy all the rest of his creation. And so um, think about, you know, what we normally do with rules and God is like, I don't think that's right. I think I have a better idea on it. And we break the rule and then we get hurt by it. And we're like, oh crap, that might be, was why God said to not do that, you know? And it's like, imagine how much damage we would prevent in our lives and the lives of people we love if we just actually trusted God the first time with his rules. And go, you know what? I'm just not gonna test it. I'm just gonna trust you in this space. Um, so rules are his, his protective kind of fatherly heart in this. Um, and the last thing he creates is marriage. Um, uh, 
And so you can look at 18 through, through 25, we'll finish chapter two. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, closed it up in its place. And, uh, and the rib that God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, and I want you to just like picture the exclamation of Adam here. He's like, oh, this at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman uh, because she was taken out of man, right? He's just stoked. He's just pumped about it. And God says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so it continually says through this whole narrative, remember the phrase? And it was good. And the first time, first thing God says isn't good is what? For a man to be alone. It's like, these dudes are not good on their own. We need to put some women in their lives. Like, they're a wreck, you know? It's like, amen, I know. Um, um, but he didn't make us to be isolated. This is both marital, relational. It's also just communal. Like, we're just not meant to be alone. Like, God has made us communal beings. And, and so for Adam, he wants to give him a helper. And so he gives him Eve, creates her. And he's blown away. He's so stoked. The first marriage happens, right? Um, but again, remember the main point. What God creates communicates who he is. So I want you just to think about love, romance, intimacy, marriage, relationship, as it communicates who God is. Like think about the emotional intimacy of what love is, right? Um, like the, you know, the newness of love. And it's like, you know, my, I'm like, I got butterflies. I'm nervous. Like you're at the movies, you're like, okay, her hand's there. Should I hold it? You know, it's like, here, you know, the awkward moment. I'm so thankful. 10 years ago, we're just like done with that, you know? Um, but, uh, um, but, you know, you're excited. You just can't stop thinking about him. Like there's the newness of love that's so exciting. God wired us that way. And then you think about like the gritty, real love, like 10 years in, 20 years in, like 30 years in, we're just like, man, it's not, it's not this flashy thing anymore, but it's real and it's deep and it's seasoned and it's gritty. And it's like, I'm all, I know the worst parts of you, you know, the worst parts of me, and I love you. We've been through life together. Like you think about that and you can look at uh, the science of love and what uh, romantic relationships do like in the brain. Like you think about um, the way he wired us with uh, dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and endorphins, all are impacted by love or romantic relationships. That's the chemical makeup of our brain that reacts to this. And then you look at the physical side of intimacy and the way God created uh, marriage in that sense. And he didn't just create physical intimacy within marriage to just create more kids. Like he actually created it for pleasure and for joy and for fun, like to experience that together. That he created our bodies in such a way to enjoy intimacy within marriage is incredible. Not just, hey, I have more kids to do this thing, but to actually have fun and connect as a couple. Like what a sacred gift. This isn't like some sleazy, like cultural thing that they've taken over. Like, no, this is like pure and, and beautiful that God has created. And we, it's the culture is so messed, like sexual intimacy up. And it's going, God actually like is for this and loves it. And, uh, and it's beautiful. And he's made us that way. It's incredible to see that. And so uh, him creating marriage shows us how relational he is and how intimate he is. Um, so, so there's, there's the 10, right? And I was thinking, I was going, and again, I might need to fact check this a little bit, but after creation, and I did my work, it's not like I didn't, but I don't know if you could argue that there's anything else that God creates after he, he finishes creation. Everything else that he creates is kind of like from what has already been created. Everything we create is from what he's been created. But there are two things definitively that God creates new or recreates um, after this moment. And the first one is you. 
Um, see, the reality is, even though everyone was made in the image of God, we have marred that image with our sin, haven't we? We've broken uh, that beautiful image-bearing reality in such a way that we've, we've been terrible representations of who he is. We have been selfish. We've been hurtful. We've been hateful. We've been stingy. We've been selfish. We haven't reflected who he is. We've fractured uh, our, wor- our world. And what does God do with this messed up creation that's marred his image, that's taken all the gifts of creation and just ran away? He makes us new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Like the old is gone, the new is here. Like this beautiful reality of who uh, God is making us to be, new passions, new heart, new motive, new hope, new uh, life, all of it. Um, and so the very ones he gave the breath of life to took his breath and, and killed him. And Jesus goes, it's okay. This is what I signed up for because I wanna bring you to life that you might experience uh, me for all of eternity. So the second thing he create, recreates is all of this. Uh, Revelation 21 talks about the new heavens and the new earth. And uh, Adam and Eve, they got us kicked out of the garden. Like there's no other way to say that. And they got us kicked into a cursed world. Disease, death, disasters, dysfunction. We're not a part of the original creation. Now we have, we're plagued by cancer and by COVID and we're plagued by car accidents and heart attacks and funerals. We're plagued by hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes. Hate wasn't a part of the original equation, right? Uh, Severed relationships, comparison, judgment, abuse, gossiping, fighting. But in this new creation that he's creating in Revelation 21, um, that God's making for us, every tear is wiped away. Death, Death will be no more nor will disease, death, disasters, dysfunction. We're no longer kicked out of the garden. We're invited into the throne room of God, seeing him face-to-face, internalizing all of his gloriness, gloriousness, all of his beauty, all of his grace that we get for free by faith through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So what does this new creation tell us about God, both recreating us and recreating the heavens and the earth, that he fixes what we mess up? That there isn't a problem that you could create that he can't solve that the one who created the world in love is recreating us in love and recreating the heavens and the earth in love. What a glorious God. Let's pray.